You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Beautiful. Well, good morning. From me, may I extend my welcome to you here in the room. And if you're joining online also, I'm so pleased that you have tuned in for this message today. Well, it's my joy and my privilege to open the Word, and we're going to look at some verses that may be familiar to some of us, verses from the end of Matthew 28, verses 16 to 20. You'll have heard Luke already speak about the Go Weekend, that's next weekend. And so this morning, we're going to visit these words again, where Jesus says, therefore, go. And if you're uh, someone taking notes and you want a title, there's the title, therefore, go. Now, I can remember the first time that I had the privilege of praying with someone who wanted to become a follower of Jesus. I was 16 years old, sat on a bench at school with a girl called Lisa Bartlett, who was in year eight. The previous week, a team, I can't remember if it was from Youth for Christ or YWAM or somewhere like that, had come into school, helped the Christian union that I was part of to run a mission. There'd been various things going on at lunchtimes, some of them drawing attention to Jesus, some of them just drawing attention. Uh, But on the Friday lunchtime, we had a band come in and about a quarter of the school came to hear this band and someone preached the gospel. Got no idea who, got no idea what they said, but numbers of people responded and filled in little cards to say, yes, I want to follow Jesus. And 16-year-old me was given Lisa's card to follow her up the following week. I had to go and find her classroom, find who she was. I didn't know her before then. I didn't feel old enough. I didn't feel wise enough. I didn't feel trained enough. I didn't feel qualified. I didn't feel anything enough to take this card and to follow up and to lead someone to follow Jesus. We found a bench outside of school. We're just trying to find somewhere quiet. I think it must have been the middle of winter because I remember there being nobody around. And just talked with her. I just checked she understood what we were talking about. And I checked that she still wanted to be a disciple of Jesus. And she said that she did. And so I led her in a simple prayer to invite Jesus Christ into her life. She became a disciple that day. And the last time I heard, which was about five years ago, 25 years on from that prayer, she was still following Jesus. What a joy and what a privilege to be just a tiny part in her journey and her walk in this life and in the next. In just a moment, we're going to read Matthew 28. We're going to read, we join Matthew's account of Jesus' life and ministry. Matthew had been a tax collector deeply unpopular. He would have been seen as a traitor by his own people because he served and benefited from the Roman occupation in Israel. But Jesus came and found him. Jesus took him from the place of being an outsider and welcomed him in to be an insider. And he is the one that is telling us what Jesus did and said. He tells us just before the verses we're going to read today that Jesus had been raised from the dead. We are joining fresh on the back of the resurrection. In the preceding verses, we hear that the priests and the elders, the the Jewish leaders, they were trying to quash reports of the resurrection. They were paying the soldiers who'd been at the tomb, uh, paying them so they would say that disciples came in the night and stole the body. They didn't want the story to get out. And it's right on the back of this 
that we get these words, verse 16. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Many of us will have heard these before, but maybe they're first, the first hearing for you today. These are Jesus's final words in the flesh to his disciples as recorded by Matthew as he's mandating them to go. He's giving them this, what we call now the Great Commission, saying, therefore go, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. And of course, they did it. If they hadn't done it, we wouldn't be here this morning. In AD 25, nobody outside the small town of Galilee knew who Jesus was. They just didn't know. It was a few weeks after this standing on the mountain in Jerusalem. There were 120 gathered in an upper room waiting for the Holy Spirit, as we heard last week. And then Holy Spirit was poured out. And as Peter preached that day, we get told that 3,000 responded that day. And then in the days that followed, people were added daily to their number. The disciples were going. And they kept on going, accelerated by persecution in Jerusalem. They kept on going. By AD 65, the followers of Jesus were being persecuted in Rome, 4,000 kilometers by road away from Jerusalem. And in the Roman Empire, all roads led to Rome. And what Rome knew, everybody else knew fairly soon afterwards. So the gospel was spreading rapidly as the disciples took seriously Jesus' command to therefore go. Almost 2,000 years later, we are also keep hearing reports, even in this day and age, of the gospel spreading, even in unlikely places. In Iran, where there were no church buildings, the church, which is the followers of Jesus, it keeps on growing. It's understood to be growing faster in Iran than anywhere else on the planet. Even as followers of Jesus there face persecution, imprisonment, it's estimated there are well over one and a half million followers of Jesus in Iran, and maybe as many as three million, because new disciples keep on going. At the AOG conference where we were just at the start of May, uh, we connected with some beautiful young Ukrainian pastors. Uh, they're in their early 20s. They honestly, they look like they should still be in school. Uh, they look very, very young, but actually they're working here in the UK, in London and in Bristol, and they're planting churches among Ukrainians who've been displaced because of the war. And as we stood with them and we were trying to express sorrow with them for the conflict and the suffering of their people and their homeland, and what they wanted to talk about was the increased hunger and the desire to know Jesus that they are finding in their fellow Ukrainians here in the UK and across Europe. It was humbling. It was beautiful, their sense of passion to disciple. Yep, they had to leave their country, but they haven't just left and gone somewhere to make a comfortable life. They've gone to make disciples. They've taken Jesus at his word, and it was a beautiful thing to witness. 
Paul said these words, and they're written at the beginning of Romans 1. In, in verse 16, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. It is the power of God unto salvation. This gospel of Jesus, it has power to transform lives. It has power to revolutionize. It had power 2,000 years ago, and it has power today. It has power in Iran. It has power if you're a Ukrainian, and everything seems to be broken, but Jesus and his gospel still has power. It's why Jesus said, therefore, go. Go and keep on going because this is where the power is. And yet I can find myself, and I think maybe I'm not alone here, sometimes reluctant to go, with reasons and excuses not to go. I can at the same time be passionate for people to find Jesus and hesitant to be the one who introduces them to him. Anyone know what I mean? You don't need to put your hand up. Maybe we find in ourselves sometimes a kind of apathy. Like we just don't feel the need enough. We don't care enough. And then there's busyness, there's work, there's pressure, there's kids, there's schedules, there are activities. There's so many other things to do, aren't there? There's distractions, life goals, life issues. We get diverted sometimes. And of course, we can feel inadequate. Like, who am I? Who am I to take this glorious message? Do I know enough? Almost certainly not. Do I know how to do it? Have I got enough experience? We can ask all these questions and feel like we are inadequate to do it. I can think, what if they ask me about those difficult Old Testament verses and I won't know what to say? Of course, we can all learn to say, I don't know. You don't have to know anything. You know if you go to the doctor and they don't know what you've got, but they look it up on a computer, you don't suddenly think, oh, they are a rubbish doctor. They can't answer that question, so I don't believe anything they say. We don't think that, do we? We think, oh, he's taking it seriously. This He's not seen this much. He needs to find out. Can I just encourage you that if you were talking to someone and they asked you a question you didn't know and you said, I don't know, I'll try and find that out. They're not going to discredit everything else you say. They'll just think, oh, they're not a know-it-all. This is good. This makes you uh, more popular because no one really likes a know-it-all, do they? They don't even want you to have all the answers. They just want you to know some. So simply this morning, ahead of CLM's Go Weekend next weekend, we're revisiting these words of Jesus to let them speak to us again, to encourage us and maybe to challenge us also. Four simple things I'm going to draw out. Number one, go in kingdom authority. This is what Jesus says, go in kingdom authority. It's interesting, isn't it, that the thing Jesus says to them is all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go. There's something very important is happening here as Jesus is saying this. He's saying you can go in authority because all authority has been given to me and now I am authorizing you to go in my name. He's basically saying, you are authorized from the top, from the highest order, the highest authority. Now, a little bit of backstory here. We understand from the whole story of Scripture, right back in Genesis 1.28, that when God made man, he made man to rule on the earth. He gave man authority. He said, go, 
Fill the earth, subdue it, rule over it. The psalmist affirms this, Psalm chapter eight, he says, what is mankind that you're mindful of him? You made him the ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet. Mankind have been given authority to rule within God's rule and reign, given authority under God's authority. And this is why sin became such a problem. It's not just an individual issue for you and me that separates us from God, but sin is rebellion against God and his rule. It is rejection of his rule. And it's through this, the rejection by man who was given authority, the rejection of God's rule made room for the devil to come in and to express his own reign on the earth. It is because of our rejection of God's rule that the devil can remain active, present, impacting the earth. And so the kingdom of darkness was able to be at work, to go about its business, killing, stealing, destroying, hatred, darkness, deception, bondage. These things could go about unchallenged, but all of that changed when Jesus, when God took on flesh and came as man, man who had been given authority to reign on the earth. You see, God is respecting and functioning within the created order that he had put in place when he comes to restore authority. Jesus was unlike any other person. He didn't rebel against the rule of God. He was obedient. And when he went to the cross, he dealt with sin. He dealt with the rebellion of mankind, the rejection of God's rule and God's authority. And when he rose again, he was demonstrating his victory over sin, his victory over death, his victory over the devil, so that the full authority of God could be restored again on the earth through a man. It's a lot of information, I know. Don't worry, I'm gonna slow down in a moment. But now you see the restoring of this kingdom rule and authority of God can now go further. It can spread further because it isn't just in one man doing this. He says, if I go, then the spirit can be poured out on you as you've been hearing these last few weeks. And when the spirit is poured out on you, then there will be loads of me essentially in the earth. This bringing of the kingdom, this authorized authority, it can be brought by hundreds, thousands, millions of different people. And this way, the kingdom of God can come in the earth through his followers. This can spread further. Are you with me? Brilliant, well done. In this moment, Jesus is authorizing his disciples with all authority to operate in his name, to bring his kingdom, to establish his reign. And as his disciples here today, I wanna say you also are authorized. You are authorized. Could you turn to the person next to you and say, you are authorized. You are authorized. I've got to tell you, being authorized and using that authorization are two different things. You know, if you drive home today uh, in a strange way that you don't normally go because of Motorfest, and somewhere there's been a crash on the road, and there's a traffic officer who's got there ahead of you, he is authorized to stop the traffic, yeah? But imagine the traffic officer, he's feeling a bit timid today. He doesn't feel like putting himself out in the road and going, stop, you need to go that way. So he just stands on the pavement and cars keep going. And because this kind of, there's this crash that's across the road, other cars come through and there's more collisions and there's more carnage. 
because although someone had authority, they were authorized. They didn't use what they had been authorized to do. So Jesus is saying here, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Go and use your authorization. Go and use, tell some things to stop. Go, because I've authorized you to operate in my name and in my authority. You're authorized. Can I tell you here this morning, can I tell you if you're joining online, that you are authorized to share the gospel. You are authorized to pray for the sick and to tell sickness to go. You are authorized. You are authorized to welcome the kingdom of God into your street, into your neighborhood. You are authorized. Yes, we don't feel like that all the time. Like a policeman doesn't always feel like stepping out and stopping the traffic. But we have been authorized, and so we can dare to step into that. And of course, there is one who very much wants us to stay in a place of limitation, not using what we have been given. But this is the first thing that I want to draw out this morning. Jesus says, go, go in kingdom authority. You are authorized. Second up from these verses, go to all nations. He says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, all nations, all peoples. Jesus says, go to all nations because everyone is invited. Everyone is invited. Sometimes, you know, we can feel like we don't know who we're meant to go to. Perhaps we've already tried to share Jesus with family or, or friends and they don't seem open. Or we asked a friend or a work colleague to come to something and they, they shrugged it off. They said no. Or we're not sure now. Who do I go to? Sometimes the Lord asks us to go to people and we don't go because we don't really want to. Sometimes he asks us to go to people and we don't want to go because we don't really like them. You know, I remember in a different season being in a church that had um, some social action work and it worked with recovering uh, drug addicts. And from time to time, we would hear testimonies from this ministry in the church. I remember them hearing, hearing one of these testimonies of someone who'd got alongside and was just journeying forward with someone who'd got very stuck in their life. And I remember just the gentle prod of Holy Spirit. It's like he just said, you could do that. My children were small, life was busy, no one asked me directly. It was easy to shrug off. And so I didn't do it, just left it. Six to nine months later, I can't even remember exactly how much, another testimony in church. This time, Holy Spirit's like, you could do this. I'm like, okay, okay, I've heard, I'll, I'll, I'll ask. At that point, I'm thinking, I don't even know if I can do anything with people like that. What have I got that can help them? But I went and I spoke to the person doing it. I did the application process, the vetting, the training, all that kind of stuff that you have to do. And I ended up journeying alongside three different ladies, all different to each other and all very different in their life experiences from me. None of them had any family support or relationships around them at all. They were all chain smokers. I used to come home, need to get changed as soon as I walked through the door. One of them would talk freely to me about her experiences working on the streets. One of them had had a child taken into care and was at risk of losing another child who was still with her because her house was persistently filthy and disordered and she did nothing about it. And I went in and I began to help her clean and sort and order 
her house. It was pretty unpleasant work. I didn't enjoy the setting. I found the issues difficult. I've got to tell you, it was the easiest place ever to share Jesus. With each of those three people, they all, the first or the second time I met with them, said, why are you doing this? And I was able to say, well, I'm doing this because God loves you. And because God loved me and he came and found me. So I'm coming here to tell you that God loves you. See, when you go and sit with someone in their mess, they're very quick to ask you why you're doing it. There was varying openness and ability to respond. Their lives were chaotic. I was able to sow seed into their lives. I was able to communicate to them that God loves them, which was in stark contrast to much of the experience of their lives. And I wonder this morning, has the Lord asked you to go to someone or to someone's and you didn't want to go and so you didn't go? And I wonder maybe if it's not too late to pick back up on that and to go. Because maybe there's someone who's waiting, maybe someone who's ready, maybe someone who needs to hear. And the Lord asked you to go. And he's not asked anyone else. Matthew, who wrote these words, he was despised. No one would have chosen to go to Matthew. But Jesus went. He didn't deserve Jesus' kindness. He didn't deserve a calling. And nor did I. That's why it's such a privilege to go. In the Bible, we sometimes read our children the story of Jonah, a prophet. He could hear God. He could hear God's words and speak God's words. And we love to tell the story of a man who ends up getting swallowed by a big fish and gets spat out. It makes for a good story. But the truth is that when God sent Jonah to Nineveh to go and preach for them to be saved because God's wrath was coming, he didn't want to go. He went the other way and it took a life-threatening storm and a big fish to swallow him and spit him back out to get him back on track. And it does make a great story to read to kids, but when you read it as a grown-up, what we find is Jonah gets annoyed at the kindness of God because he shows mercy to people that Jonah didn't think deserved it. He didn't really like them and he didn't really want them to be saved. And you know, it sounds despicable when you say it. Sometimes, I think sometimes there can be a little bit of Jonah in me. I wonder if there's a little bit of Jonah in you. And so let's let the word of the Lord remind us today that everyone is invited. Everyone is invited. Let's go to all nations, to all peoples. Everyone's invited. Thirdly, this morning, he says, go and make followers of Jesus. Go and make disciples. Now, of course, uh, disciples feels like a big word, doesn't it? It just means like learners, followers, but it feels a bit scary when we're told to go and make them. You're like, ooh, what does it even take to make a disciple? Scholars have spent a long time looking at how do you make disciples. Books are written and we can all think, well, I've not been part of that, so I can't possibly make disciples. Most of us, it's true, don't feel qualified. Jesus said, make disciples, teaching them every, to obey everything I've commanded. We can think, do I even know everything Jesus has commanded? Am I able to teach someone? Maybe I'm not even a teacher. What Jesus is saying here is just go and make followers. And can I put it like this? Simply be a signpost to Jesus. A signpost to Jesus. Any of us can just point, he's over here. 
I don't know all your answers, but he does. I can't do everything. I haven't got it all sorted myself, but he's the one that you need. Signpost to Jesus. You don't need to know everything. You don't need a theology qualification. You just need to be trying to follow Jesus and be willing to signpost to others to do the same. You may still have your own questions. Some of those on the mountain, it says, were doubting. Wow. Some of the 12 were doubting, but they went anyway, and look where it got across the whole world. Didn't rule them out from going. Uh, Jesus isn't waiting for some sort of faith perfection or for you to reach a grade A or even a B before you go. He says, just go. But the only thing he said to wait for was his Holy Spirit, who's been poured out already. So we have all that is needed. I had a conversation with someone just a couple of weeks ago. They've really recently committed their life to God. They'd grown up in a Christian, a Christian setting, but just recently as an adult made a commitment. And they were telling me they'd been in a setting with somebody, a professional setting, and they just ended up talking to them about the journey of their life and their faith. And they were saying, you know, just recently I've realized that I'm not where I need to be with God and not where I want to be. And I'm trying to put that right. I'm trying to change the trajectory of my life. And what happened by the end of the conversation is the person he's speaking to in this professional setting, he says to him, I'm the same, you know. I've lost my way with God and I'm going to get back on track. I need to do that too. I need to sort it out. I need to get myself back into church. It was such a powerful reminder for me that to disciple someone is simply to be open with what God is doing in your own life, to be willing to talk about it, to share it, and to let others see it. It's amazingly, pain, uh, amazingly powerful. It's just being a signpost and allowing what God is doing in our lives to speak to other people about their lives. And there's many different ways we can do it. There's things we can do. We can invite people to church. We can invite them to Alpha. Maybe just even give them a Bible or a gospel. I read some research that was carried out last year, and the results were published in a report called Talking Jesus. It's brilliantly helpful. You can find the whole report at talkingjesus.org if you are interested. It's all UK-based. And the report looked at how those who came to follow Jesus for themselves have done so. It found that 34% of those in the UK who've become Christians had done so through growing up in a Christian home. Now, we can't change that particularly, um, but it's still, it's good to know. But the next biggest factor in causing people to choose to follow Jesus at a whopping 24% was they read the Bible. 24% of people who become Christians do so because they read the Bible. And I was shocked when I was reminded of this recently because I realized I used to give away Bibles. I used to give them to people. I used to give my Bible to people if I was in a conversation and I stopped. I don't know when I stopped and I don't know why I stopped, but I need to start again. We need to start again. We're going to be giving some Mark's Gospels out next week as part of the Go Weekend. I've ordered some this week personally for me in my house to remind me that I need to get back into giving the Bible away because nearly a quarter of people who become Christians do so because they read a Bible. You don't have to give them the whole Bible. Just give them a gospel to start off with. Among the other findings in the Talking Jesus report, it says that 33% of non-Christians they spoke to said they would like to know more about Jesus. That's one in three people would like to know more about Jesus. 
Yes, it means two out of three don't, but it means if you speak to two and they don't, keep going, because probably the next one will. Often we get to the first two and then we stop. We think no one wants to do this. Keep going for the third one, because they're the one that wants to know. It also said 36% of those who are non-Christian, who've had a conversation with a Christian, but not yet become a Christian themselves, of those people, 36% said they were open to experiencing or encountering Jesus. Wow. 36% open to experiencing or encountering Jesus. We don't have to be able to answer everyone's questions. We don't have to be able to sort their life out. And some people's lives are in such a mess, we think, I haven't got all the answers to that. That's okay. Just pray for them to encounter the love of God. Ask if you can pray for them. And ask the Lord to help them know that he loves them. It's being signposts to Jesus. Steve shared a lovely story from one of the recent times they'd been to Onley Prison. They'd done their service, they'd finished there. Uh, those who'd come to the service had filed out and there was a prison guard uh, left in the room. Uh, the chaplain there had told him he's one of the toughest prison guards. But as our team walked down the corridor to leave at the end, he shouted after them, he went, Oi! They turned around, he said, I am not in any way religious, but that warmed my heart. Wow, yeah, we should applaud that. And we applaud the team for what you're carrying as you go there. People are open to encounter the love of Jesus. They have some misconceptions about religion, but they're open to being loved by the creator of the cosmos. Not everyone's ready to immediately respond to Jesus. But as we go, we can keep signposting that he is the answer that he is the source of love, that he is the one that we need. This is what it means to therefore go. We make it something more than it is, and then we feel we can't do it. Let's just go. Make followers of Jesus. Be signposts to Jesus. Go in kingdom authority, because you're authorized. Go to all the nations, because everyone is invited. Go and make followers of Jesus. Be signposts to Jesus. And finally, go with the presence of God himself. Go with the presence of God himself. We have this beautiful, powerful promise at the conclusion of Matthew's gospel. He says, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Wow, what a promise. You know, we can feel inadequate, we can have our questions, we can be conscious of our own shortcomings, but the promise of Jesus is that as we go, he's gonna be with us. As we've understood the last few weeks, this is by his Holy Spirit being with us always, God himself. The Emmanuel that is spoken of at the start of Matthew's gospel, God with us. Here he is at the end of his earthly mission. And they're there, they're bowing down to him. They're worshiping. These Jews who were taught you must only worship to Yahweh, the true and the living God. Perhaps it's why they were doubting and hesitating. Should we really bow down to Jesus? Are we definitely sure he is God? But he is. They were there, they worshiped. This is God. He says, I'm going to be with you always by my spirit. Emmanuel, God with us. And friends, this isn't a conditional promise 
honest going. There are some conditional promises in Scripture that start with an if you, then I will. And they're followed with an if you don't, then I will. And we do well to take notice of those kinds of things. But what Jesus is saying here is not I will be with you always as long as you go. He's just asking us to go and then saying, and surely I'm with you always, even to the very end of the age. It's not conditional, but they are linked. I don't think it ever... I won't say it didn't occur to Jesus, that would, not, uh, that would not be an accurate thing to say. But Jesus is not standing here thinking, these guys aren't going to go. He knew the disciples were going to go. He knew that many, 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 many of his disciples were going to go. And he says, and when you go, and when it means that you face persecution, and when it gets difficult, you must remember, I will be with you always. Now, when I was younger, I had the last sentence from Matthew on my bedroom wall. Surely I'm with you always even to the end of the age. It's a great verse. It's a good thing to hold to. But I disregarded the previous ones as if they were incidental detail. We can do that with Scripture sometimes, can't we? Therefore, go. But if we do that, we miss out on the invitation of Jesus to be part of the most incredible adventure for this life and the next to have an active part in bringing God's kingdom on the earth, being authorized by the one who has all authority to operate in his name and to see things change, to see lives transformed, to bring people home, to have people who will be at that banquet that Jesus talks about in Matthew 22 and to know that Jesus sent you to invite them and you went. I'm gonna see Lisa Bartlett. I don't know if she'll be across the table. I know it's gonna choke me up that somehow you allow me to have a part in her being here. And there's some others that I know will be there. This is the invitation that you might be part of what God is doing on the earth that will last into eternity. What a joy and a privilege. And with the promise that as we go, he says, surely I'll be with you always even to the very end of the age. Let me remind you, in case you're unsure what always means, here is the dictionary definition from dictionary.com. It says, every time, on every occasion, without exception, all the time, continuously, uninterruptedly, that's a strange word, uninterruptedly, not the one I just made up, and forever. Wow. Without exception, all the time, continuously, uninterruptedly, and forever. Do you notice there's no gaps in that? Do you notice there's nothing missing from that? There's no exceptions to that. And I wonder if we might take this glorious truth this morning and apply it to our own timidity. That the one who has all authority, he's asking us to go. He's asking us to be a part of this making of disciples, but he's promising us that as we go, he's going to be with us always. He's going to be with you on every occasion. He's going to be with you without exception. He's going to be with you all the time. He's going to be with you continuously. He's going to be with you uninterruptedly and forever. And this is the one let's remember. He's just been resurrected. He has just defeated death. He was dead, but he is alive. And he lives in the power of an indestructible life. He is the one who has the keys of death 
and of hell. He is the one who's called the Living One, capital L, capital O. He is the one that has the name above every name. He is the first and the last. And he says, surely I will be with you always, interruptedly, without exception, continuously. I'm going to be there. This is the presence that we have to be with us as we go. What a promise. Who knows what could happen if he is with us? And he is with us always, always without exception. So friends, the encouragement of Jesus' words this morning is to go in kingdom authority because you are authorized to go to all the nations because everyone is invited to go and make followers of Jesus by being signposts to Jesus and go with the presence of God himself because he is with you always. I can invite the band. Uh, you know, next weekend, I think 420 of us will be involved in the Go Weekend. It's, it's an opportunity for us to go in some simple, practical ways to be visible in our city. Some of those things, they'll be behind the scenes so that critical needs can be met. Some will be having face-to-face conversations and praying with people. We'll be visible in our city. We'll be collecting food in supermarkets and litter picking and seeking to bless our city. It's an opportunity for us to get started, to go, to move, to actually go. And to do so with the tangible encouragement of one another alongside. We don't have to do this on our own. We can do it together. We hope that in the city, there'll be many, many people will see loads of blue t-shirts and think, who is this? What is this? Who is telling me that I am loved? and they'll want to seek out a conversation and and know some more. I've been praying this week for people to have dreams where people in blue t-shirts come to talk to them about God so that when we meet them on the streets next week, they're like, I dreamt about you. (laughs) This this is what I'm asking. You see, the Go Weekend, it's really just an opportunity to get us started so that all year round, all of us would go. That we'd go to those around our lives. We'd go to those in our city. We'd go to anyone that God is prompting us to go to. No, friends, I believe in this moment that God is moving. I believe there's a season change. Things have been shaken and things are being shaken so that people's dependency upon human structures and human answers, it is coming down to nothing to remove people's complacency so that they're more open to the Lord. I wonder what if there is a season coming when many, many people are gonna respond to the gospel? What if there is a massive change coming in our nation where there's gonna be a great openness to the gospel? I believe that is where we're headed. We're a bit like the disciples in the boat. They've, They've fished all night and they've not caught anything, but Jesus says, put your nets down, put them down again. And they're like, really? I've done this before, told them before, I've asked them before, but it's like, okay, we'll put it down. And they hauled in such, such a haul of fish that's impossible. And I wonder, friends, if maybe we're in just such a moment as a church. The Lord says, therefore go, just go again, one more time, go again. There's many who will become followers of Jesus. This is therefore go. I'm going to finish. I'm going to pray. I'm simply going to invite the Lord to stir our hearts and anoint us afresh. 
And so if you're listening today and you want to respond, I'm just gonna invite you to stand so I can pray with you. If you're at home, why not stand to your feet as a response where you are? I'm gonna pray for you also that the Lord would meet you there and stir you and pour out His Spirit upon you. If you know you want the Lord to use you as a signpost and to bring others to Him, then stand to your feet. Father, we come and we pray this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the work of Jesus who redeems everything that was lost and now has all authority in heaven and on earth and who sends us and authorizes us. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would stir our hearts and help us to grasp this, the magnitude of this, that you authorize us to operate in your name, that you equip us and you empower us as you also send us. Father, we say that we're sorry when we haven't gone, when we've shrunk back, that we haven't been obedient. We say we're sorry. But Father, would you pour out your spirit on us afresh? Would you stir our hearts with a passion for Jesus and a passion for those around us? Would you pour out your spirit to put a Holy Spirit boldness in our hearts that we would dare to step out and to speak out. We would pray for people. We'd see you work in signs and wonders with people we've never met before. We'd see you pour out your love upon people and them just not be able to find words to explain what you do to them as we stand with them and we pray with them. And we pray you'd give us the grace, Lord, to be signposts who help bring people home to you who will be seated at your banquet for all eternity. We receive your word, Lord, and we ask that you would embed it in our hearts and set it ablaze with your spirit, that we might be everything that you are calling us to be. And we ask it in your precious name. Amen. Amen.